Hello, and welcome to Fresh Off the Vine, the podcast about money, sometimes about wine, and always about getting better with time. I'm Karen Coyne, Certified Financial Planner Professional and your host. My goal with Fresh Off the Vine is to bring content to help make your life better. As a CFP, sometimes the topic is tied directly to your financial life, sometimes it's more indirect. Financial issues have a way of weaving and vining into the many aspects of our lives, and Fresh Off the Vine is here to open up and uncover these issues. There are many conversations I'd love to have with clients, colleagues, and friends, but we don't always have enough time during a progress meeting or a lunch or a happy hour to cover them all. The Fresh Off the Vine podcast was created as a way to have these conversations in between meetings and also to share expertise that is relevant to you and to your life. Thanks for listening and cheers to living your best life. My guest today is Nancy Phillips, who is joining us from British Columbia. Nancy is the creator of the Well Away Financial Life Skills Resources, which also includes the Zellawella Kids book series. These resources embrace creating a life of meaning and financial well-being. Nancy lived through a traumatic accident, which was followed by other life-altering events. In the first episode, we discussed moving forward from a place of trauma and towards well-being. In the second episode, we discuss why it's important to talk to our children about financial concepts, especially during this difficult time, and how to do so. Nancy, thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for asking me. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Well, I had mentioned to you that we originally came across your resources in the Raymond James Practice Intelligence Vault, and I think you mentioned you did something for the Women's Network some time ago. That's right. Yes. Down in Florida. It was a very fun event. So that's actually where I'm supposed to be this week. Our national conference was scheduled to be in Orlando. And I would have flown in yesterday to meet with the women of the advisory council. Amazing. That's oh, too bad. Yeah. Kindly then that this is happening. And I just thought that was wild when you mentioned that it was specifically that you were working with the women's advisory network. So you have a really interesting story. You're the creator of this financial skills life resources series, but you came about it in a very indirect way. And you shared with me a little bit of your background that you worked with surgeons, professional athletes, engineers, entrepreneurs, and you had a role very much in brand management and sounds very corporate. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes. I worked in the big corporate world with hundreds of people in the same building and developing exciting products to help people who are injured, uh, mostly from sports injuries and so forth, but orthopedic injuries can happen to anybody. So yes, it it was very, very interesting. It is. I mean, medicine's very interesting, but it was a very fun role for sure. And you mentioned you were an athlete as well. Yes. Yeah. I started competing actually at the age of seven as a gymnast and that was a big, big part of my youth. Ah, okay. So did that kind of lead into your studying kinesiology and all the rest? Absolutely. Yes, because in gymnastics, there's a lot of different types of injuries. And I was really interested to understand why some people got certain chronic injuries, even when they were 13 years old. And, you know, there was other types. And I just wanted to understand more about why they were getting hurt the way they were and how to make help them get better. Wild. Yes. I think gymnasts are a mainstay for orthopedic surgeons, aren't they? (laughs) Like part of their lifeline. (laughs) It's more dangerous than it looks. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. So tell me about how you made the transition from brand management to authoring a series on financial wellness. 
Right. Yes. As you said, it was very indirect. So I left the corporate world in California and moved back to Canada to be closer to parents and family and so forth. And not too long after the move, a lot of major life events happened. And so basically I had a spinal injury. So I was severely injured, wasn't able to move around and lift my baby and so forth. And so that was a huge huge adjustment and and being in extreme pain all day really affects your ability to think and cope and and uh, do your everyday things that you need to do and right around the exact same time I went through a separation so I went from you know having a family a corporate job and my health to all of a sudden you know not being able to really walk more than a few steps and in extreme pain and plus the just the upheaval of going through a separation And then two months later, the recession hit in October 2008. So all of these massive things, plus my job was 2,000 miles away. So all of these and just immensely large life circumstances were happening at the same time, much as what's happening to millions of people around the world right now. And so, of course, there was some overwhelm. There was disbelief and denial of how can my life change so quickly when I worked so hard and, you know, was a nice person to people. It's like, how, how did I deserve this? And why is this happening? And how can my children deserve this? It's just not fair. And so there's a lot of emotion that you go through, and especially with the financial as well. And we're not taught skills of how to deal with any of it. So one of the things I realized is I really wanted to make sure that I was teaching my kids some key things that would help. And I felt like, you know, you feel very bad when you become a single parent, you feel like you're hurting your kids. And I felt like I've got to do something to make sure I'm helping them in life. And so when, you know, a lot of the times when, when they went to their dads, I would start looking and and thinking, okay, how am I going to teach what I feel is important in life for them to know? And at the same time, I found out that the schools were not teaching financial life skills or really many of the life skills that they need still after all these decades since I was in school. So, you know, I started looking into things and I found out a couple of points about financial life skills and the way the world is now and how our brains work around money. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so important. And clearly it's the parent who has to teach it. It's not the teachers. Right of the way the curriculum is right now. And hopefully that's one positive that could come out of COVID is that potentially maybe our education systems will start to change because of the the absolutely clear need for this. But at the time when I was going through it 12 years ago, I thought, okay, I want to, I want to find the gold nuggets. I want to figure out what to teach my kids and help them as they grow up. And so I went out to find a program. I figured one already existed. And I knew that, you know, probably you should start allowance fairly young. So I was thinking, okay, there'll be some progressive program I can teach from when they're young until they launch off into their own life as adults. But of course, that program did not exist. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just financial skills, but the personal life skills for how do you create happiness based on your own values and beliefs versus what the media is telling you and what your peers are telling you that may not really be right for you as a person at all. And so I wanted those things combined. Because they're so related. Because they're completely related. Yes. And the fact that we're not taught how to do that is a big part of why people, many people feel so unhappy right now and unfulfilled, even though they might have very expensive materialistic items. Mm. So there's a huge connection. And uh, I was just 
passionate about finding out how to learn it and teach it. And that's, that's how the program and all the resources got developed. Well, I feel like your story is so especially timing because the trauma, the level of trauma that was involved that you went through. And then through that trauma, it triggered, or I should say it triggered this growth. And then through that grew all these other, you know, wonderful things. But at the onset of the trauma, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe you did have a vision, but maybe you didn't think, oh, I'm sure at the end of this tunnel, there's going to be all these fruitful things that come out of this. And right now, so many people are going through a very, very traumatic time. So those are some of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is how do you, number one, survive and get through from A to B? Because we know when you go through a very traumatic time, it's difficult to even put one and one together, let alone think more strategically and think long-term. You're just trying to get through the day. So, you know, how do you grow from the trauma? And then also, how do we evaluate the money messages that, that we are sending to our children, whether we are aware of it or not, because this is such an opportunity, I think, whether you're, whether you're in a traumatic situation or not, right? I mean, if you're in a situation where you're comfortable, you can talk to your children about coming at it from that perspective as well. But also if you're in a really difficult situation right now, you might also want to be having some conversations with your children about the reality. And I'm sure there are some ways to do it that are maybe better than others. Absolutely. So huge topics. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So how did you get to the point of just moving out of that trauma? Because you were dealing with so much at once. Like you said, I mean, it sounds like the story of Job. It was just one hit after another. Yeah. And there was quite a few more hits after that too, to the point where I thought, okay, like, (laughs) <laughs> what is the universe trying to do to me? <laughs> you know, I, the pain, the pain threshold was so high on the spinal injury. I ended up getting shingles. So I got shingles in my whole face and then started to lose my vision because it wasn't diagnosed right away at the walk-in clinic. So those were just the three big ones I told you about. There was multiple things happening. And so there came to a point actually when my daughter had anaphylaxis, somebody had given her a a dessert piece uh, at a pool party with nuts in it and she got rushed to emerge. And when I walked in and saw her completely swollen up and having a hard time breathing and I could barely recognizable and I could hold, you know, I was just trying to hold it together while the nurses were talking to me. And I thought, okay, something has to change. Like it's falling apart. Something has to change. And that was really the moment I went, okay, what's positive? Is there anything positive? Because, you know, up till that point, it had been my health, my job, the recession, financial, it was it was more me focused. Mm -hmm. But at that point, then it was my kids health, too. And so I couldn't even be thankful for that. So I was like, okay, so she got through that night. And so from that day onward, I started gratitude. And I've done gratitude journaling every day since. Oh, wow. That was, you know, basically seven years ago. And the reason that gratitude works so well, and sometimes there's days like back then, like I literally, because my life was so not what I thought it would ever be. And I was in so much disbelief. I thought, how can I be grateful? Like my kids don't have two parents anymore. I don't have income. I can't walk. I'm booked for spinal surgery. Then I won't be able to hold my son. I have to get someone to take care of him. Like it just seemed so overwhelming that 
I wasn't looking for something to feel thankful for. I was too busy focusing on all the negative and how I was going to survive. So after, after the anaphylaxis situation, then I went, okay, thank, thank goodness she's through this. And that was like, okay, I have that to be thankful for. And then I started as a habit and as a practice going, okay, we've got food on the table tonight. I'm thankful for that. I can get out of bed. You know, I can't walk very far. I can't sit in the car, but I can get out of bed. And so I just kept on making the list longer and longer. And what gratitude does is it actually shifts the pharmacia in your head. You start to have positive drugs going through instead of cortisol, the stress hormone. And so once you start getting, you know, your serotonin, which is what uppers are made from and dopamine, that's the motivation drug. Once you start getting some of these positive drugs and oxytocin, the love drug, you can start to think better. And so you can calm yourself down. You don't Isn't have that amazing to use, uh, that you yes. can change and your body's not, chemistry? You can totally change your body's chemistry, but we're not taught that you can do it like in a moment. Right. Um, exercise is phenomenal. It gives you the adrenaline, serotonin and things as well. It's fantastic. And eventually I was able to do that. I met a lady at the worst, my lowest point who sold the walking poles from Scandinavia and she could see how much pain I was in because I could barely open my eyes and talk. And she said, I can see you can barely walk now, but just try this because it will help you strengthen your core and then you'll be able to walk further. So even if it's only half, half of the length of your, your house driveway, just start. And I did. And so I started doing that. But in the period where I couldn't do that, I couldn't get any of the positive drugs flowing from exercise. So I had to do it mentally. And so the gratitude list was the first discovery that got me to the next step of starting to be able to think more clearly. And the reality is that when we're going through upset and we, we get ourselves into that fight or flight response, what happens really is that the blood and everything is going to your muscles and to your body to react to what used to be running from a wild animal or something. But mm -hmm. now we're not, we're standing still and it might be our child asking for a new expensive toy. And we're like, oh, are you kidding me? And you're, you're all fired up, but you're not able to release that the way we used to in ancient times. So we, we have to learn how to manage it, especially now, or we can say and do things we'll regret forever. So we want to make sure we learn that, okay, it's, it's very understandable for people to be feeling stress right now, obviously. And it was very real and, and okay for me to be feeling stressed too, but I had to figure out how to deal with it. So by, by doing things you know make you feel happy or calm down, and gratitude is one of the most powerful, doing something nice for another person is also extremely powerful yes. too because you're taking the focus off yourself. 100%. So these are ways you can start to control your in-the-moment stress so that when you're in that fight-or-flight response, you go, okay, I understand what's happening. I can feel my heart rate going up. I can feel steam coming out of my ears. It's a natural physiological response, but I, I need to change the outcome of how I'm going to deal with this and not get, you know, either all mad or all upset. And so then what happens is because you calm yourself down, the blood actually stays in your brain in the intelligence center, your prefrontal cortex. So you can actually start to think properly. You get to keep your brain. You get to keep your brain. You don't get stupid, basically. Like once right. your blood's all draining into your muscles and making you a fighting machine or a running machine, 
you're not at your best cognitively or intellectually, and then it's much harder to make decisions. So, you know, a part of what you want to do when you're thinking about making financial decisions or any decisions is make sure you allow yourself methods that work for you that make you happier and calmer. Get there before you start trying to make the decisions. What I was doing and probably what a lot of people are doing now is ruminating. So you're like a cow chewing on grass and you're just like, I can't afford this bill. I can't afford this bill. How am I going to pay it? And once you get yourself into that state, the likelihood of you actually coming up with good, creative, effective solutions just decreases like low, right? Very low. Whereas if you get yourself into a calmer state and a more peaceful state, your creativity goes up. So you're better at solving problems and solutions, new ones, writing down all different ideas for solutions is really powerful because a lot of times as you keep writing, they start melding together and the puzzles, the puzzle pieces can start to form together. So you get more creative. Mm -hmm. So I think it's all about awareness of, yes, it's completely normal to feel the stress and to get uptight. But you can also change that state in order to allow you to come into a place where you can start to make good decisions. And right. that's where the power of the brain is that we're not taught anything about in finance or any other part of life. Right. right. And it's so foundational. I mean, you could use that to apply to a number of different areas of your life beyond financial. But it is so important when it comes to financial because the connection with the mindset and especially when you're coming from a place of fear, the chances are pretty high that you're not going to be making good decisions. That's right. And like you were just referring to, I was thinking about how, you know, if you lose someone close to you and you're, you're mourning, financial professionals will generally encourage you not to make any big decisions, right? To take the time because you're not in that good space and it's just, you just don't need to be making big decisions. But this pandemic that we're dealing with right now, if you own a business or you've lost your job, you might have to make decisions pretty swiftly. You might not have the luxury of waiting six months to get back to your financial advisor to make decisions. So you need to find, I mean, some strategies like you just mentioned that can help you get into that right mindset are really critical, I think. Definitely. And just even allowing yourself, like, you know, it's about defining your issues, right? In any situation in life, it's okay, you have to have clarity to what the question is. So if, if you're worried about your business making it through the next few months, you know, obviously, that's highly complex. But again, it requires clarity as to what the questions are. What do I need to answer right away? Is it taking care of the employees? So defining the issue and then looking at the solutions you know of, and then what don't you know? Are there things that you can start to look up and find out information if it's from the government or whatever? So you start to be able to solve your problems. But again, it comes back to what many of the psychologists will talk about is that that circle of, of control. So, so look at what you can do and what you can control yes. and try not to spend all the time because that gets, again, gets you back into the stress state. The cortisol goes up. You can't think as smart if you start thinking of all the things you can't control. Yeah. So it's really trying to have some focus so that you can calm yourself down and go, okay, this is what I need to solve today. Because, And I can totally relate to that having gone through that experience 12 years ago because everything was uncontrollable. I didn't, you know, it, it was like, how am I going to make a meal? I can barely stand up. Like, so it had to be step by step. 
I couldn't worry about the bill right then because it's like, okay, I, I need to stand up long enough to be able to make food for my kids and myself. So it's, okay, this is what I have to focus on right now. This is the priority and get very, very clear on what your priorities are in that moment. And they, and they need to be good decisions. So you have to think about what it is right now that you can do. So that's really simplifying a complex area. But again, it all comes down to the small things we do each day. And if we can try to do them as best as possible in the circumstances, then they will start to add up to be more positive over time. So if you're talking to someone right now who's really in a dark place and they're really struggling, what's the first thing that you would guide them to to do? What would be your first recommendation? So for me personally, I would recommend they write down what's bothering them the most just in a couple bullet forms so they can sort of release it. And then if possible, if they're able to, I know I spoke to a colleague in Peru today, they're not allowed to leave their apartments or their homes. So they can't even go out in the car to the grocery store. One family member can leave the house at a time, not even a married couple. So they can't carry many groceries. So, So there's all different challenges going on out there. But if you write down what your issue is, it allows your brain to focus on starting to think of of solutions subconsciously and consciously. That's why the clarity of the question is so key. And then if they can, and it's really important, go do something else, right? Go do something else and let your brain work on it without actually consciously working out. It's so much more powerful. right? Right. So like if you're going for a walk, and you allow your brain to relax, maybe more likely to come up with some better thoughts. Yes. And before going to sleep is a huge one. If you go to sleep with all your problems circling in your brain, not only will you probably not sleep, but you're going to be so exhausted the next day that then your productivity and your capacity for patience and well-being goes down and then that starts to affect your health. So if you write down the things bothering you before bed, it allows your brain to work on it all night and all kinds of solutions come to people during the night because your brain is able to work subconsciously in, in ways far beyond our understanding right, right. now. There's been a lot, 90, about, they say 90 to 98% of what's been learned about the brain has just been learned in the last 20 years. So it's quite profound, the things they're finding out. But we've probably all woken up with an amazing idea before and like, okay, I just solved that huge problem at work. How did that happen? Well, we can actually use that as a strategy in life. And that's what inventors did. They had ways of dozing off. I think it was Edison who would sit in his rocking chair with a metal tin below his hand and he'd hold a quarter and he'd rock and he'd have a problem in his head he wanted to solve. And then when the quarter hit the pot, it meant he fell asleep. And that was the moment of brilliance. It has to do with slowing down our brain waves. When we're in the awakened state, we're in beta waves, which are fairly fast. But when we go into meditation or pre-sleep and so on, or driving sometimes, we've all driven miles without knowing how we got there, yes. that's your brain slowed down. And that's these slower brain waves is when you go into that creative, brilliant time. And, and those are the places that will bring you some really good answers to help you with your, your challenges. So we have, to, we have to have strategies in order to allow those things to happen. So I should have mentioned that you coming out of your trauma did a lot of research in all these areas. 
So I did a lot of brain research. Yeah. For a number of reasons. I wanted to understand, you know, of course, figure out solutions, but also my mom was getting Alzheimer's at the time too. And I have a relative who's had a, a lot of concussions and is dealing with concussion syndrome. So a lot of reason to study the brain. And I'm very thankful there's so much information out there on it. Yes. It's fascinating to me that along with kind of the more direct tie into behavioral finance that you alluded to. And, you know, we touched on briefly the many tolls of the financial stress. So if you can kind of start to get to the root of the issue before it snowballs, because if you don't, right, start to get control of the stress, if it just overtakes your brain and then you're decision-making and then your relationships and then your career, right? It's just this massive snowball. It's interconnects and just grabs all these other pieces of your life before you know it. That's right. It's all interconnected. Opinions expressed are those of Karen Coyne and not those of Raymond James Financial Services or Raymond James. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Incorporated. Karen Coyne Strategic Wealth Advisor is located at 12920 Connemar Drive, Suite 202 in Hagerstown, Maryland, 21742. Phone 301-739-7002. Raymond James is not affiliated with The Well Away. Any opinions are those of Nancy Phillips and not necessarily those of Raymond James.